Please be seated. I, uh, what a presence today. I, uh, during the worship service, I was so moved when we kept worshiping and I heard the Lord, you know, we, we, there's one statement that's made over and over in the New Testament that Jesus made repeated times in different ways. And he said it to various people. He said, for that reason I came. He'd heal a leper and he'd say, for that reason I came. And he would, people would try to destroy distracting from his purpose and he'd say no 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 that's for this purpose I came and I heard the Lord just say to me this morning what did you come for what did you come for and if you came to worship nothing else matters what did you, what did you come for and I was just overtaken that sometimes it's easy for us to let a whole lot of other things get our attention. But it's really just a few simple things. What did, what did I come for? The old songwriter used to say, I just came to praise the Lord. I didn't come to show off my dress or my new shoes or I didn't come to punch my ticket or I didn't come for somebody to see me. I just came to praise the Lord. I, uh, I was moved when I got the message on Saturday night about Kurt. Jerry, I want you to know we love you and your family, all your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. It was 1977 when I came to Clewiston for the first time and those days led worship Brother Brown, bless his heart he, somebody said what was your job description I said well it was like he preached and then everything else was on my page <laughs> whatever else needed to be done but in that choir when we started building a choir Sherry uh, became a part of that choir and I'll never forget how many times we'd pray and she'd come and say, I want you to pray for my husband. Pray for my husband. God's, touch, God's going to touch my husband. And I had the privilege of being here the night that Kurt walked these aisles and made a, a commitment to Christ that was just deep in his heart. And the impact he's had on this place since then, the impact he's had in our city, uh, the impact in legacies leaving with his children and grandchildren was amazing. So I wanted to come to be to be here with Chuck. I, I really didn't have to do anything. I was coming whether I did anything or not. And so then, you know, he's got a way of really recruiting you when you don't really feel like you're supposed to do anything else. And uh, so I'm honored to be here today. I love this house. I love this city. I love people here. Kathy and I are uh, grateful that God, you know, in his sovereignty, 
allowed our pathway to come through Clueson. You know, Jesus made the statement, I have needs to go through Samaria. Well, Tony had needs to go through Clueson because there was something that shaped my life here that made an eternal difference in me forever. And many of you people are in that today. I, I got an iPad full of sermons. I don't have a lack of sermons. And I told Chuck last night, I said, I'm going to just see what God says to me about tomorrow, if that's okay. Because I really don't feel like I have to preach a sermon today. I don't feel like it's one of those kind of days, and particularly the presence that's filled this room. So I don't feel under any pressure to, to do that. For all of you homiletical and hermeneutical students and Dr. Dave, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be that today. I have two of them sitting on my front row. Him and Jay, he is on one side and Jay Pike's on the other. And then I have three daughters that are critiques. And they sit there and I go back in my ready room and I tell each one of them every Sunday, I'm not intimidated by any of y'all. <laughs> but, uh. Something that's been on my heart very deeply is I feel like we are in the midst of a great awakening. I think our nation and the world is about to experience an awakening. How many of you know that every new day begins in darkness? Sunday did not begin when your alarm clock went off. And it didn't even begin with daylight. Sunday began one minute after midnight. And so whatever time you had your alarm clock set for is when you became aware of the new day. So I think there are people that are, even when it's 2 o'clock in the morning, recognize there's a new day here. And just like 9-11 shifted things in our world to some degree, logistically and tactically, I believe we're in the midst of a spiritual shift. In fact, the term, God, when God says, I'm going to do a new thing, it, li it literally means fiercely new, radically new, not just a little dressed up version of what you've had. It's literally something so fiercely and radically different that you have to discern in order to be aware of it. It's easy to call good evil and to call evil good. That's what, what, what Paul told the Romans. Be careful that you don't fall into a trap, that you look at things and say, this good is evil. Or be drawn into believing that this evil is somehow good. That's why there has to be a people of God in the earth in order to discern what's really going on. Because I would suggest to you today that what you see going on in our nation is nothing more than the underpins being moved in order for God to break up what the Bible calls fallow ground. Ground that's not experienced harvest in a while. Actually, we live in one of the nations of the world where the least amount of harvest is taking place. I realize we have big churches, but as far as people coming to Christ, we live in one of the nations of the world where less people are coming to Christ than many other nations of the world. Statistically today, 
the majority of the Christian world is not white, it's, it's brown and black. The majority of the Christian world today is not above 40, it's under 40. The majority of the Christian world today is not male, it's female. And if you would boil down the people that are literally moving the world, you'd find out that statistically majority of the Christian world is more Pentecostal than it is Presbyterian. If you would take the if you would if you would put a picture together of all the statistics of people that are Christians today, it would be a 23-year-old brown-skinned woman. There are 50 million people in India under the age of 18 that are born again. Brazil is the largest Pentecostal nation in the world. There's 35 million full gospel people in the nation of Brazil alone. It's incredible. But what about our nation? What about where we live? You know, sometimes we, how many, how many of you can be sensitive enough to realize that none of us like the, this pandemic and civil unrest and Nobody likes the days we're living in. Nobody likes to be in their home. Nobody likes businesses shut down. I certainly don't like to walk around with a mask on. But how many of you know most of the things that bother us are really first world issues? We're concerned because we have to stay in an air-conditioned house when much of the world is concerned about whether they have water. And so what is it going to take for us to be the people? And I, I really am not going to spend a long time, but I think the challenge in this awakening is that we, we are being confronted over the dichotomy that exists in our lives between what does it mean to be an admirer of Jesus and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Because there is a radical difference. There's a lot of people that admire what Jesus did but they don't necessarily follow what he did. And I want to suggest to you today that following Jesus is not a one-time event. You don't like all of a sudden get saved when you're 10 and say, okay, I'm saved and so I'm a follower of Jesus. No, probably what you are is saved. Because see, I have come to multiple intersections in my life. And every time I get to an intersection, I get to choose how far I'll keep following. Because, see, there's certain things that I didn't like about my life before I got saved. Come on, how many of you be honest enough to realize, you know, that I, I was ready to get rid of some of that stuff. I ain't got no help over here. I'm going to preach over here. I mean, you know, there's some stuff you didn't even like about yourself. So you were ready for that to go. What bothered me is when he started dealing with the stuff he didn't like. Because some of the stuff he didn't like, I liked. If you don't believe sin is fun, you've never sinned right. You've been with the wrong crowd. I don't know where you were. 
but you with the wrong crowd. So what I had to find out is I had to find out that every time I came to an intersection, every time God started dealing with something else in my life, I got a chance to decide whether I was going to be an admirer of what Jesus could do or whether I was really going to be a follower of what he could do in my life. And sometimes it's easy for us to hide in the complexity of all kinds of things of religiosity that we put on and because I teach a Sunday school class or a children's church or because I usher, because I do all this stuff, then somehow I believe that dresses me up and makes me a follower. When in reality, it maybe just makes me a worker. Because then Monday through Saturday, I just keep on following my own way. Hmm? And so I, I've been leaning into this passage for several weeks my own personal life. Everybody in this room knows why Jesus died. If you ask people, what did Je- why did Jesus die? They say, he died for my sins. Jesus died so I wouldn't have to die. See, the reality is, here's, here's how the world works. If you don't know Jesus, you're born once and die twice. You die a natural death and you end up dying a spiritual death. But if you know Jesus, you're born twice and die once. Because he who believes never dies. So when I come to Christ, my life is radically changed and I start this journey where I begin to realize, okay, I know why Jesus came to die, but why did he live? If he only came to die, how many of you know he could have done that two days after he got here as a baby? His blood didn't somehow intensify and get better the older he got. He was the spotless lamb of God laying in a manger. So if he only came just to die, then he could have done that right after he got here. Redemption's plan could have been paid for, and he could have returned to heaven. But for 33 years, he lived. So while everybody fully understands why he died, my question this morning for all of us is, why did he live? And why did he spend 30 of those 33 years in complete obscurity? If I'd have been God, Jesus would have been like a child evangelist. At 10, he'd have been holding crusades. Because he was just as anointed. I I don't have any help. How many of you know there's a lot of people got old and never got anointed? So my point was, why did he live? What was he here for? In fact, he himself said this. He said, the reason I was here and the reason I lived is so that you could see and meet my father. Because for several millennia, church world, religious people, Jewish folks, other people who followed strange gods had been trying to describe the God that was invisible. 
In fact, the book of Hebrews says it this way, that in sundry times in various ways, God kept trying to describe himself. That literally means in all kinds of seasons of history, God was trying to make himself known. He said he did it first through the law. The Ten Commandments. He said, maybe I'll give them the Ten Commandments. They'll find out who I am. And all they did when he got the Ten Commandments, Moses on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, there in the valley building up an idol. He brought them out of Egypt. They thought, maybe I'll show them that I'm a delivering God and that'll let them know my nature is for them to be free. And they danced around a golden calf. So then he says in Hebrews, he said, I came along and I, the law didn't show them who I was. So maybe I'll produce judges who judge righteously. And so I'll take people and let them judge the standards of the earth. And those judges will call right and wrong and yes and no, balls and strikes. Because after all, life is about getting it right. Only to find out that that's really not going to let us know who he is either. Because Adam and Eve lived at the wrong tree. They lived at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you spend your whole life trying to figure out what's right and wrong, you may end up in the wrong place. And it still be right in the culture in which you live. I mean, you know, there's some things that our world approves of, God doesn't. So the question is not, is it legal? The question is, does it produce life? So the tree wants us to live at is the tree of life. Does this produce life in me? So he said, then I found out judges couldn't reveal who my father was, so I sent prophets. And prophets spoke the word of the Lord. And then I've, you know, 42 years I've been, I've been leading in ministry, and that, what that means is I'm old. Other than that, listen, but what I found out in 42 years is that really when I've boiled it all down, my messages have changed very few people. I've helped people that had a passion to change find avenues and keys to get there. But what I've come to realize is I can preach Jesus, but only the Holy Spirit can reveal him. That's why it's possible to talk to your friends over and over and over and over and give them the word of the Lord and they leave the lunch meeting with eyes that are big going, I don't know what he's talking about. Hebrews says all of a sudden I I realized that the law didn't show who the father was the judges didn't show who father was the prophets couldn't reveal who father was so father said the only way that the world will ever really know who I am is I have to incarnate myself you know we usually only talk about incarnation at Christmas time because it's a Christmas message it's a, big, it's a big church word, incarnate. All the Spanish speakers in here understand because some of that's got to do with flesh. The word carn got to do with flesh. So incarnate, I got I to gotta take this God being and put him in flesh. So John comes along with his gospel and he says, all of a sudden, this word who was in the beginning and before there was a beginning, this word that's eternal, this word that's a part of the Godhead, this, this word, that's what he calls Jesus, this word 
that we didn't understand because he was invisible, all of a sudden this word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him as the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Yeah, he was the law, and yes, he was the judges, and yes, he was the prophets. And at the same time, he was full of grace and mercy. And he showed us that God wasn't religious. He was really looking for a relationship. If you can't figure out what's the difference between religion and a relationship, here's how you figure it out. If somebody tells you, if you clean yourself up, God will love you. That's religion. But if somebody tells you, Jesus will love you and help you get cleaned up, that's a relationship with God. That's the difference. See, I grew up in church world where if you stop this, stop this, stop this, and start this, start this, and start this, then you can be accepted among us. Jesus said, I'll accept you, and as we journey, I'll bring you to intersections so you can keep choosing to follow me. Hmm? So all of a sudden, God took on flesh and lived among us, and Jesus said, the reason I did this is because the world couldn't understand what my father thought about things in the earth. So I became incarnated. So that when the world said, what's God think about prostitutes? They can see how I handle them. When the world thinks about untouchables, lepers, overlooked, Zacchaeuses. When the world marginalizes people with limitations and are sitting on the road begging for attention like Bartimaeus when they wonder what does God think about those people then they can see me and they'll know how my father thinks so here's my here's I got up this morning that's, that's it right there that's all that's all I got so here's my question for New Harvest Church, for all of us, for Tony Miller, for all of us today. Could it be that our world is chaotic because they're waiting to see 